0: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it, please stop it. (laughs) Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL
3: Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just gonna go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos.
2: Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form.
3: It's You Better You
2: Bet, presented by BetMGM. It is You Better You Bet. It is a wonderful football Wednesday. It is Nick Costos. It is Ken Barkley. And it's you here with us on the BetQL Network. Simulcast for the next two hours by our friends at Stadium. And we got a badass two hours of wagertainment coming your way, getting you set to bet and hopefully win On Super Bowl 58, we'll get you some soccer bets as well. That's right, some soccer bets. We'll transition from football to football a little later this hour. Give you some soccer bets, and we'll roll through NBA award markets next hour trying to determine, uh, we need like the Beastie Boys thing, right? What the next price is to drop. In a, bunch of these, in a bunch of these markets. So we very much look forward to that. And more thoughts, obviously, on the big game, Super Bowl 58 Sunday, February 11th, a.k.a. the Sunday after this one with the Chiefs and the 49ers. Odyssey Sports NFL insider Brian Baldinger will join us coming up in 20 minutes. Anthony DeBundo from uh, the Wonder Goal podcast, 40 minutes, giving us soccer bets. Our old pal Rick Camp stops by uh, in the Power Hour giving us NBA bets for tonight. We look forward to that. But joining us right now to kick off the fun and frivolity here on our stadium two hours on this wonderful football Wednesday is our good buddy, John Daigle, who's doing awesome work right now as a contributor for our friends, our show sponsor um, over at BetMGM, MGM. And he is on Twitter at not. Jay Daigle the beards looking fantastic and I joke with uh with Connor Allen and Ryan Noonan all the time Daigle's got a big head man because this dude's on TV all the time he's on stadium (laughs) constantly on live on the line with our pal Brad Evans and others weekdays uh at noon eastern here on stadium for people that are watching on stadium uh John welcome back to the show it's Nick and Ken how's it going
1: I don't know quite what it is, but I must be doing something right because they do keep asking me to come back. I feel like that's a telling sign. So I will gladly take it. And for my friends here with y'all, I will do my best to properly introduce Baldy because that's really what I, I'm i the opening act for the main event here.
3: Well, and, and one thing you're you are also joining, I think you're the first guest uh, that we've had on this week that's like, like prop specific stuff like Nick's given some props that he likes on the game and we haven't done every show together this week but just like some more specificity some more stuff you're thinking about I was saying this to somebody the other day like the prop markets was like are open everywhere and they're like all open it's like feels like so early but now that it's legal everywhere everyone wants to be first so like we've had these numbers up for a really long time to kind of already think about which is really cool but why don't we just do the side and total first though I think everybody kind of has some opinion of the game right now. I kind of think that team's going to win, kind of like the total, whatever. San Francisco, a two-point favorite, totals 47 and a half. Kind of the first time you thought about this game, what did you think was going to win?
2: I
1: have Chiefs' money line already. And honestly, did I oh. lock it up too early? perhaps, because the number will probably grow, and I kind of hate it because it's going to be the square side, most likely, given how well Kansas City has played, because they've had plus matchups throughout the postseason. But for a lot of different reasons, I think the Chiefs have the best matchup here as well. I know a lot of people look at the Chiefs defense from a full season spectrum, the EPA, all the numbers. But honestly, you should only look at the 10 games that the three juggernauts, Nick Bolton, Chris Jones, and Legeria Sneed have all played. Because in those 10 games, against tougher matchups too, including these last two playoff contests, the Chiefs are first In yards for play allowed, and also first in limiting opponents to a touchdown on only 12% of their drive so far. They've truly been an amazing defense. Not only that, but yes, the, the 49ers have struggled in their last two games of the postseason on defense in particular, but also... The way Patrick Mahomes plays and not being turnover prone, literally just limiting all errors on the field and the fact that they've already run into so many tough defenses, like Aaron Schatz, who I have all the respect for in the world. All he did all season long, and rightfully so, was talk about the Ravens' historical numbers in terms of DVOA defense and then we saw that didn't even matter against Kansas City whatsoever and it's not just the Ravens everyone talked about how great the Bills defense was and how they pieced together all the missing parts and I understand the Bills linebackers they were down to only three active guys in a couple of plays in that game they were down to only two linebackers available altogether, and that's why Cal was Travis Kelsey, so easily dunked on them shallow and over the middle of the field. But the Chiefs have also run into the Dolphins when they're at full strength with Jalen Ramsey, mid-year, and Bradley Chubb. The Jets, where they were an elite defense, unlike those last two weeks, when the Jets obviously just started stopped tackling altogether, and they are all in Cabo getting ready for the offseason. They played some amazing units, and it didn't matter at all. The Chiefs still eked out wins. So to me, including with Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid getting a couple weeks to game plan to address their weaknesses, in the front seven and stopping the run as a below-average run defense in that span, I think, honestly, the Chiefs have all the edges here in this game.
2: All right, so John on Kansas City, and look, it might be the square side. I, 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 I like it, too. So whatever, we can be, Good. Off. We can be squares together, buddy. And hopefully, and hopefully we'll all win and, like, screw everybody. Who cares what the square side is? Hopefully we'll all end up winning here. So you like Kansas City in the game? Have you given thought to how you conceptualize – like the total in the game or what, what type of game it's going to be. Because you like Kansas City to win. Is this going to be a game? And I talked about this yesterday. I think this game might get loose at the end, like in the fourth quarter, and maybe push it over the total. Ken was talking, saying yesterday on the show, we had guests on the show yesterday, Eric Eager, I know it's a mutual like friend of ours. Eric was saying that he mm-hmm. thinks this could be not like a 13-10 game, but maybe a game that's more likely to go under the total than the market currently indicates. Kind of, How do you conceptualize the game playing out right now as far as scoring goes for both teams? I could
1: see that, especially because we know what both offenses want to be. Patrick Mahomes is amazing as he is. And I don't even mean for this to sound like a negative, but he truly has become the world's best game manager in this offense because they slow it down and they just take advantage of your weaknesses. My one issue for the 49ers... And maybe stopping us from getting on the over in this game is a lot like what we saw against Detroit, in that Kyle Shanahan does not change his offense to who your weaknesses. He just runs the offense. And so, whenever we saw Christian McCaffrey, although he did bust out for a couple touchdowns, had a couple explosive runs, we kept on seeing Christian McCaffrey in the first half being run on early downs. And as we all know, because we all broke down that game individually for a week, you cannot run on the Lions whatsoever. And Lions were great. They held up for as long as they could. Uh and so I do wonder if the Chiefs or if the if the 49ers still try to appear on the ground, no matter what the shifts and assignments are in the playbook that Spagnola has coming out in this game. So to me, it does seem like we could be killing the clock a little bit. If it does go over, I'm going to guess it's probably a more of a backdoor option, like whenever my heart broke having the 49ers minus seven and the lions just on a fork down jammed it right back down my throat. Unfortunately, I would guess that the under is still slightly under is my lean right now, but admittedly no bet on the total just yet.
3: Yeah. And I, I would argue like both coaches too, if you get to your fourth and twos at the 30 and your fourth and threes at the 10, like, They they kick him. Like, that's what happens. And, like, threes instead of sevens is another Kyle Shanahan has never
1: understood the assignment. That's why it's so funny to hear Dan Campbell (laughs) get all the grief in that game. Dan Campbell was the one trying to win that game. I'm not sure Kyle Shanahan was. It's just that the Lions secondary is so bad. And, uh, honestly, like, credit to Brock Purdy for his second half, too. Those three scrambles, two on third down, were incredible plays.
3: Totally agree. And you bring up Brock Purdy. Maybe we get into some more player specific stuff here. It sounds like you have some pretty strong opinions on on kind of strat. I guess strategy is the right word or just how the teams fit together. Um, You mentioned like the Chiefs run defense and maybe they can shore that up advantages that the Chiefs might have. Maybe they slow it down, which is kind of in their MO, especially in the second halves of the games. So how do you see that lending itself in terms of player performance? Maybe we do the Chiefs first it's been like really concentrated right on like a a very small like skeleton of players right it's like rasheed rice kelsey and pacheco and that's it and it's like never anybody else unless it's the most important play of the game and mvs catches the pass but like besides that it's like every other guy it's like these three players um do you have like a strong opinion which one of the three you'd like to bet over on which one you think could succeed against san francisco like how do you see casey's offense in this game
1: I know you told me to start with the Chiefs, but I kind of jumble Rasheed Rice and Debo Samuel over receiving yards together because a lot like when we were breaking down the Chiefs versus the Ravens, it's really hard to credit a defense against the way the Chiefs operate their offense and that they run shallow routes that make it so hard for defenders to actually like man up and press you off your line like where she is literally just running crossing routes. And those are really hard to cover because most of the time, unless you're doing man coverage, you're, lending that player then over the middle to the linebacker. And suddenly that linebacker shifting and having to change his assignment. It's just hard to defend those kind of routes. And that's the same way both Debo and Rasheed Rice run their routes. So to me, those are the two safest overs in this game, especially since we all know the 49ers weakness is in their secondary and that group of cornerback room, even in the playoffs, we've seen opposing quarterbacks target heavily. Uh, and it's, it's not going to... Be like a, a prop bet for me, but I will say last week I think I'm the one who actually got bet MGM to add it on the book, and I don't even know it's probably not even a sharp bet because we all know like the quarterback most likely will win MVP. Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey has a couple touchdowns will win MVP, but I did last week bet on the AFC defensive backs for Super Bowl MVP understanding who the NFC quarterbacks were, and Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. Both can get shook up very easily, as we've seen throughout the postseason, under pressure. And so I still think Lejarius Sneed, as as crazy as it is, I know Patrick Mahomes will probably win it, but Legereus Sneed's sprinkle at 25,000 to 1 is something that uh, I jumped on just last week whenever they added in the book for
2: Super Bowl MVP. Good stuff. You better, you better hear with Nick and Ken on a Wednesday. We are talking Super Bowl Fifty Eight with our friend John Daigle, contributor for our friends over at BetMGM, and make sure you're uh, following John on uh, on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it. Lots of good stuff coming up in the near future from our pal John Daigle on Twitter at Not. Jay Daigle. All right, John, so you gave us good stuff on Kansas City. Long shot bet on Sneed, uh, Super Bowl MVP. You talked a little bit about Debo Samuel. Outside of Debo, what would you say your favorite San Francisco 49ers-related prop is right now? Even if you haven't bet it, like, what's something that you think, like, I am going to bet this if you haven't already as it regards the San Francisco 49ers in this game?
1: If it's a game where we think Brandon Ayuk and I don't even know if there's a cornerback in the league that can actually man up Brandon Ayuk, but the way he runs his routes. Again, as more uh, Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> as a, as more of a wide receiver, uh, like Legereus need whenever he, like we even saw the Tyreek Hill tweet whenever he joked that Legereus need jammed him all the way to Cancun. Uh, Jarius D will most likely be on Brandon Ayuke in this matchup on the boundary. And if that's the case, again, that leads us to smash Debo Samuel overs. But that also means we need a second receiver to get involved. And if that's the case, I would imagine it's George Kittle. George Kittle was practically shut out this past week as both Ayuk and Debo had success. I can't imagine it's that kind of game to attack the middle of the field against Kansas City. So to me, also naturally, my lean goes to George Kittle overs as well especially if the Chiefs are trying to focus on stopping McCaffrey in this one
3: uh i got like a, a couple minutes to go but you, you gave us a long shot bet for a Chief to win MVP for I, I I know everyone started like everyone who does this starts by saying like I think Mahomes is going to win anyway I'm I'm the guy yeah. that's like I don't think he's going to win John so like you have you have a home here if you want to sell not not Mahomes I I think it's un- like unlikely is the wrong word i think it's way less likely than the market thinks that he's going to win if they win especially with kind of how i see the game playing out what do you think about a night like you know brock purdy maybe it's the same thing maybe if they win he wins just he just wins mvp you like debo a little bit you like kid a little bit I think those have been popular super bowl mvp bets and the niners have so many talented players do you have a favorite niner to win mvp maybe it's somebody at a long price maybe a defensive player maybe not here in about a minute
1: and usually like Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford a couple of years ago. You just ask who's can score two touchdowns, who can dominate the game like in that route if Christian McCaffrey were to get shut out. And to me, that is Debo Samuel. Like the fact we have multiple ways to score touchdowns, both rushing and receiving. Uh, I would think that he is the one who could poach the MVP from Brock Purdy if that's the case, not Ayuk or George Kittle. It's hard to get there for a defensive lineman. Like, I understand Nick Bosa will be there, but we all have seen Patrick Mahomes throughout this season, not just in the postseason, work his magic. He seems to evolve every year, honestly, and the magic he does in the pocket and just avoiding being sacked, it doesn't lean me to think any defensive lineman for the Niners can win, since Mahomes just goes so good at shedding those tackles and extending play. So, I still lean at Debo on the 49ers side. If we do get a defensive player, I I think it comes from the Kansas City side, so I'm very glad to hear that you think Mahomes like maybe the one that could go overlooked, if only because we also know that's not the way the offense functions. Like Mahomes in a 300 yard game just doesn't happen.
2: John, let's close oh. with this. We have we have you would only be, you and me, John.
3: You and yeah. me were like this. The <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, we Love only it. have
2: 30 seconds for the answer here, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. If you don't have a great answer, it's okay. You're big fantasy football guy. Do you have like a lesson learned coming out of this fantasy football season to take it the next season or like a fantasy football hot take for next year as we head into the offseason, like 15 to 30 seconds max?
1: You're going to want to pad your quarterbacks, but we're never going to see a season like that where literally every quarterback gets injured again. So stick to your one or two. It's just fine. Also, we did learn a big lesson in the running back dead range in rounds three through seven practically. So basically after round six or seven, keep targeting those James Cook Rashad White types of players that did get there for us because they are athletes who catch passes with no competition. Those are the three tangents you're looking for. That's it at running back.
2: Yeah, I I had a... I didn't, I didn't even make the title game in any of my leagues this year, and I play in double digits. It's very disappointing. Uh, John, this was not disappointing, having you on the show. On Twitter, at NotJDaigle. Right now, contributor for our friends at BetMGM. Make sure you're following John on social media for the latest on our pal, John Daigle, and we appreciate his time on the show. Coming up next, Odyssey Sports NFL insider, Brian Baldinger, breaking down Super Bowl 58 with Nick and Ken.
4: Stop to throw here comes pressure, Escape. fires over the middle, and it is incomplete. Goff trying to connect to Reynolds. He had it, couldn't bring it in.
1: Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the
2: BetQL Network. Kevin Burkhart with the call this past Sunday on Fox. It was like a lemony Snicket game for the Detroit Lions. Just a series of unfortunate events. I, I still feel like' I'm, I'm still pretty bummed that the Lions lost that game outright to the uh, to the 49ers. We'll get over it because there are bets to be placed and a game to break down uh, next Sunday, aka the uh, the Sunday after this one. February 11th. Uh, Super Bowl 58 with the Chiefs and the 49ers. Odyssey Sports NFL insider Brian Baldinger will join us in just a moment here on the show to break it down. We'll talk some Championship Sunday as well with the great Brian Baldinger. Maybe get Baldy's thoughts on some of the coaching hires also. Mike McDonald gets hired today as the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. 20 minutes from now. We'll transition from football to football. We'll get some soccer bets from our good friend Anthony DeBundo from the Wonder Goal podcast. NBA Award conversation coming up next hour. Rick Camp in the Power Hour talking NBA and all our bets in the final hour of the show. But right now, it's Odyssey Sports NFL insider, the great Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey original podcast, The Best Football Show. It's the name of the show. Cause it, it is the best football show featuring daily breakdowns of the most important storylines around the national football league he's on twitter at baldy nfl my friend welcome back to the show it's nick and ken I uh, hope championship sunday treated you great i know the ravens didn't win you were in baltimore so hopefully that was okay i hope you're getting pumped for the super bowl my man
4: yeah of course Nick. i, I love it. it's a finish line I'm giving it everything i got right until uh you know next sunday and then we'll shut it down. But for right now, like, I'm in full-speed mode of analysis and breaking things down and talking to people like you right now. Nick, it's great stuff.
3: <laughs> Baldy, I, I know Nick wants to ask you about Dan Campbell and maybe some of the decisions that he makes. I know you and he had a good back-and-forth about Kyle Shanahan. So I'll, I'll do the AFC game. I'm sure you've you've had time to kind of re-watch and digest what we saw on Sunday with the Ravens. And, you know, we've had, we've had some guests on this, like a lot of – a lot of commentary about the Ravens' offense, about the strategy, about play calling. I'm curious if you kind of saw the same thing as the Chiefs obviously eliminate the, maybe the best team in the league, the Baltimore Ravens from the playoffs advanced to the Super Bowl. What did you see in the AFC game upon rewatching?
4: Well, I mean, it looked like uh, Baltimore abandoned the run very early in the game. I mean, Lamar Jackson, the best runner in the game, had two, two called runs. He had a couple of scrambles, but he had two designed runs. One on fourth and one where he went for 21, and one on uh, just a counter play where he ran for five. And that's it. And I thought there were plenty of opportunities to run, uh, especially when – and I understand why they threw it sometimes. Uh, Kansas City was, was stacking the box with big linebackers and big people, and um, they were leaving the receivers one-on-one on the outside. And really outside of one Zay Flowers touchdown and one breakdown, they couldn't get the ball down the field against Kansas City's corners. And that's what Spag's game plan was. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us one-on-one against our corners, and Lamar Jackson wasn't good enough to do that. So you can question the play calling by Todd Munkin, and it's you know, I mean, it's it's real. Like, uh, I don't know why they abandoned the run. They ran the ball more than any other team in the league this year, and they were really good at it. But they went away from it, and I think it helped cost them the game.
2: What do you think of Dan Campbell's decisions in the second half of the Lions 49ers game?
4: Well, I thought the first one on fourth and two at the 28 with seven-plus minutes to go in the third quarter didn't make much sense, Nick, and here's why. Like, I understand Dan's uh, uh, proclivity to just be aggressive and, and go for it on four downs. We, we all knew that. But the 49ers had just driven the field and kicked a field goal to cut the lead to 24-10. You kick the 45-yard field goal right there. You answer the 49ers' score, you go up 17, you're up three scores, Nick. You're halfway through the third quarter. I thought he missed an opportunity just to take the points in that spot, go up back up 17, and kick off to the 49ers and still make them go get three scores, and, and maybe they could hold you. I thought – and then the second one in the fourth quarter where he could have tied it up 27-27. Um, I, I, at that point, I thought he was just chasing points. And it was like, all right, fourth downs, I'm just going for it. And the problem was, I didn't think in either fourth down, Nick, that they had a really good play call. I, I, I know Josh Reynolds dropped one. It wasn't a great throw. He dropped the ball. It wasn't a great route. It wasn't a great play call. And I think looking back on the plays that were called, that, that was a big part of the problem of why they didn't convert them.
3: Baldy, did, uh, did anything else stand out to you in the NFC game? Maybe something on the San Francisco side?
4: San Francisco played horrible defense, Ken. I thought the defensive line got pushed around, especially in the first half. I didn't think one single defensive tackle for the 49ers played well. I don't care if it was Eric Armstead or Hargrave or Kinlaw or Gibbons. I didn't think any of them played well. And then with that, I didn't think the linebackers played particularly well. And that's one of the reasons why Detroit kind of ran at will the way that they did. Uh, I thought the run fits were bad. I thought they didn't get off blocks. I mean, I was very disappointed in the way that they played. They knew exactly what Detroit is, and they wouldn't like Detroit. I know Detroit's got a good offense line, but I wouldn't want that play on my resume if I was the 49ers defense.
2: I mean, like, like some of the videos of Chase Young and his effort in this game, like not chasing after like Jameer, it's yeah, really bad stuff. You better, you better hear a Nick and Ken on a Wednesday. We're talking the National Football League Championship Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday with our friend Odyssey Sports NFL Insider Brian Baldinger. He's on Twitter at Baldy NFL. So, Baldy, I, I hope that we're able to get you on the show next week, also. So, this can be like your initial thoughts on the game. Can be pencil, not pen. Uh, San Francisco is a small favorite at our show sponsor BetMGM, like a like a two point favorite total in the range of like forty forty seven, forty seven and a half. Let's start here with just. Who you think's gonna win the game? And Baldy again, this can be pencil, not pen. It's basically the betting market. Basically, says it's a coin flip. So if you don't want to give a firm answer now, totally okay, and we can uh, we readdress it next week, or maybe you feel like you know who the winner is gonna be, and you're not gonna change your mind. So let's start there. Who do you think right now wins Super Bowl 58?
4: I'm not gonna give my answer right now, Nick. It's just too it's too far in advance. But it's it's hard at this point to go against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo. Travis Kelsey. It's just hard to go against that group right now. I mean, they're living in a dynasty right now that we haven't seen since the Patriots. Um, you know, and some, you know, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they're right in the middle of the – They just literally just took Miami apart, made Tua look bad, took you know, you know, took Buffalo apart, and Josh Josh Allen was average. Took Lamar Jackson, and Baltimore apart. I mean, they just took three top-flight AFC quarterbacks apart. Like, what makes you think right now that they can't do the same thing to Brock Purdy? And I'm Brock Purdy's strongest ally in this whole thing. But between what Spagnola can do, the chess pieces they have, and what Mahomes does in these games, and, like, it's just hard to go against them. But, I mean, I certainly, uh, within the next week, will decide if the 49ers can play better defense because they have to play better defense. And if the offense can actually get into rhythm earlier than, you know, the opening kickoff of the third quarter, because they might be too far behind if they play like they did in the first half. So I'm cautious about San Francisco, although I know they can play four quarters of football. I've seen it throughout the year. But I know this. I know Kansas City will have a great game plan. I know the quarterback feels no pressure. I know nobody is bigger in a big game than Mahomes. I just don't know how, even about Las Vegas, as accurate as they are, Nick. I don't know how they come out with the 49ers as a you know two point favorite at this point, point.
3: and not not just a two point favorite, Baldy, but. You know, like, it was less than that yesterday. Reports of some, like, million-dollar bets, $100,000 bets on the Niners were, like, the first ones that came in and pushed this back out to two. So, uh, to your point, like, the the Niners still a two-point favorite. The total in the game, Baldy, 47.5, you know, like, like lends itself to, you know, like, what, like a 25-23 final score. Obviously, that's not likely to happen because 25 is really weird. But you get the idea that's the type of game that is projected. What type of game do you see? Like, even if you, you know, maybe – Maybe you're going to change your mind on the winner. Maybe it's going to play out this way. Low-scoring, high-scoring game. Are we settling for field goals? Is the game going to get loose? Kind of as you first conceptualize it, what do you come up with?
4: You know, that's a, that's a good question, Ken, because we, we – you know, I remember going back 20 years when the Patriots uh, beat the Carolina Panthers, and it was it was like a one-score game in the first first half, and then it was a track meet in the second half, and both teams went up and down the field. And both teams had really good defenses. And so you just don't know how these things are going to get played and when it's going to open up. And, you know, like last year, it just opened up. And it's 38-35, and it's back and forth. And the Eagles play the Patriots, you know, six years ago. And, you know, it was a track meet. And both quarterbacks were just letting the ball fly. And, you know, it came down to one stop in the final minute by the Eagles to win at 41-33. I don't know how it's going to get played. It might start off tight. And it might be a you know, 10-3 halftime score, and then it could just explode in the second half um, once they kind of figure each other out and where the weaknesses are. But my gut says they're probably pretty right around 47. But my gut right now, Ken, tells me this game is going to be played at least in the 50s. I, I think it's going to get opened up.
2: Yeah, I, I, I said that on the show yesterday, and I kind of agree with everything Baldy just said. Maybe a nervy first 30 minutes, and then things can maybe like really explode towards the end of the game. We could see a lot of scoring uh, at the end of the game. Baldy, we'll save the rest of the Super Bowl stuff for, uh, for next week. So let's hit some news around the National Football League, and like there's like no one better to have on to break down the stuff than you. So excited to ask you some of these questions. The Seattle Seahawks made it official earlier today, Baldy. They're going to hire Ravens defensive coordinator and great yacht rock crooner, uh, Michael McDonald or Mike McDonald to be the next head coach, obviously not the same person, uh, to be the next head coach of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. What is Seattle getting in Mike McDonald, and how do you see this hire playing out in Seattle, replacing Pete Carroll?
4: I think, uh, in a word, they've got a a great tactician, okay, that understands the game inside and out. He's very young still, but he's worked for both Harbaugh's. So he's worked for, you know, Jim at Michigan. He's worked for John in Baltimore as both the linebacker coach, left to go to Michigan to be defensive coordinator, gets the team to the Final Four, helps get the team to the Final Four, developed a lot of great young players at Michigan, comes back to the NFL, leads the team in sacks, defense, takeaways. I think they're getting a great tactician. And if you look you know, week in, week out about who Baltimore was playing, they played without a lot of starters at various times in the season, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, go through the, the, the lineup. He's helped develop a young player like Kyle Hamilton and a Pro Bowl player. He's taken guys off the street like Kyle Van Noy and plugged them in and figured out how to use them. Um, Jadeveon Clown has never been a great pass rusher yet this year. He had the greatest sack toll he's ever had. Uh, I, I just think he's done a lot of great things, and he's been around two really strong mentors, proven head coaches at, at both levels. And so I think, you know, he's got a good background, and I think he understands – you know, uh, the NFL in how to game plan week in, week out, and what you have to do. And I think they're getting them at a young age where they can grow with them. And I think John Schneider and, and Seattle made a really strong hire. And I know people like oh offense and offense coordinator and all. Like that stuff, you hire those coaches. You hire the offensive style that you want. Um, he gets that opportunity to do it. But I, they have drafted very well in Seattle. I think they need a leader the way Pete Carroll was the leader, came from that side of the ball. I think Mike can do that, and I think he's a great tactician. I, I think it was a solid hire by Seattle.
3: Baldi, uh another hire that got announced a few days ago, but I don't think we had a chance to talk to you about it. And you mentioned uh, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, obviously young, uh, gonna youngest head coach in the uh, in the NFL this le- uh, this year. He, he becomes the head coach of Seattle. Raheem Morris, who's obviously the defensive coordinator for the Rams, takes over as Atlanta's head coach. And, you know, this was met with a lot of, you know, like Arthur Smith obviously was the previous regime. Figured they go to something different here with Raheem Morris. In about a minute here, what did you make of that hire? another defensive coordinator getting a coach job?
4: It, it, it didn't surprise me, Ken. I mean, Raheem had been in Atlanta. I mean, it was bizarre when I saw him coaching wide receivers for a period of time in Atlanta. When I'm thinking, he's the best defensive coach on the staff. Why is he coaching Julio Jones? But anyways, he was, and then they, they, they realized the mistake and he became the interim head coach and they improved immediately as soon as he took over. Um, he really was respons- I mean highly responsible for the development of so many good young players in in Los Angeles. I mean just this year, Kobe Turner and Byron Young and a lot of really good young players and coordinating that defense when a lot of analysts in his country couldn't even tell you, who the names of the back of the jerseys were, but he got him. He put him in good positions. Uh, Atlanta knows him. Martha Blank knows Raheem Morris very well. He's been through this thing before in Tampa. He's he's worked with a lot of great uh, coaches. I think it was a really good hire by Atlanta, and I'm anxious to see him really figuring out what this offense is going to look like. Defensively, they're pretty good already. Uh, at times, they were a top 10 defense, the top 10 red zone defense. I think they're hitting the field running in Atlanta with a chance to maybe go get themselves a division title next year.
2: Baldy, 10 seconds to go here. Just anything on Arthur Smith to Pittsburgh. I don't like him as a head coach. I, I like him a lot as an offensive coordinator. I like this move. You got 10 seconds for us on Arthur Smith?
4: Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. I just don't know if he's playing offense in the 21st century the way you got to play it right now. It looks awfully stagnant to me.
2: Uh, our executive producer is a big Steelers fan, and I, I can't see him right now, but I would imagine that he's that he's not pleased.
4: Frown,
3: frown hope, frowny what face. Do? Yeah, frown frowny face. Yeah,
2: frown uh, emoji. Baldy, awesome as always, my man. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to you next week for a thorough breakdown of the big game. I'm sure you'll be traveling out to Vegas, so safe travels, my man, and we look forward to catching up with you soon.
4: Likewise. Likewise, guys. I'll talk to you next week.
2: Brian Baldinger joining us here on You Better, You Bet.
4: Damn. It's cold. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Come, I was come about to up say, do you like this?
3: What do you think of this? I, I don't like it.
2: <laughs> uh, Anthony DeBundo gives us soccer bets on the other side.
1: We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network.
2: Oh man, if you're a Steelers fan, you can't be happy with the answer Brian Baldinger gave to in the last segment. I was trying to be optimistic. No one hates Arthur Smith more than me as a head coach. I was like, listen, I, I kinda like the way he runs an offense. Baldy, what say you? Eh. I don't think so. God doesn't run a modern NFL offense. <laughs> alright then. For for Matt I mean, to be fair. For Matt Canada to arthur smith doesn't doesn't sound great it doesn't it really doesn't
3: well but mad canada to anybody has got to be viewed as a tremendous win (laughs) like i mean maybe maybe arthur smith's not in the 21st century but it's like decades ahead of what they were running would be how i would describe it
2: well we did the terrence and uh terrence and philip thing yesterday like blame canada would be like another one right uh hey Phillip,
3: who's the offensive coordinator for the steelers I don't know, Darren, so is
2: it. <laughs> and, and and you know what? And that's, that's extremely accurate. Uh, next hour on the show, we'll run through some NBA award markets. We'll continue breaking down Super Bowl 58. Uh, and I have a question that I need to ask my guy, Ken Barkley. And Ken will provide the answer. Do you know how I know that? Because we're on for four hours and we have to fill the time with something. Joining us right now to give us some soccer bets. It's been a while since we've had him on the show, so we're excited to welcome him back. And I don't, like, it's been, been like a really newsworthy week in the world of soccer, and we'll get into some of that, how it impacts betting markets. Champions League is almost back, and love how that always coincides basically with the end of the NFL season. We go right into the group stage, and the, champ- or the, uh, the knockout stage in the Champions League, which is always really awesome. It's our pal Anthony DeBundo from the Wonder Goal podcast, which is a great soccer betting podcast, which we encourage everybody to check out. And he writes for our friends over at the Action Network on Twitter at his name, at Anthony DeBundo. Anthony, welcome back. It's Nick and Ken, my friend. How you doing? I'm
5: going to be honest. After the uh, the anti-kicking rant, I didn't think uh, there'd be much soccer discussion. But let's, let's talk some professional yeah. kicking. <laughs> I love it. Just take the goals. You know, when you play
3: soccer, it's, like, really what you got to do. You just take the goals. Uh, take the goals. I, I understand we have matches on right now, Anthony, and at, at the risk of, like, sounding stupid, Liverpool and Chelsea are playing right now. Oh, Nick writes in the chat, it's it's 2-0 Liverpool.
5: And this Oh, is... no, it's
2: not. It's not. Now oh, it's, it's three, not anymore. Liverpool. Happened, Liverpool we... have since scored again.
5: Yeah. Oh. Not, not much we're going to learn I mean. about the last 15 minutes of that match. Uh, it's pretty well decided.
3: No. no, that's it. Okay, well, yeah, 3-0. Uh, okay. And, Anthony, I was going to say, like, I can tell – when like a soccer story resonates a lot. Cause, cause I hear about it and it gets like on my timeline and the stuff that I follow. And like Jurgen Klopp announcing that he was leaving. And I, I would see all these, these tweets. I'd be like, what, you know, people reacting instead of reporting the news. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like what's going on? And like, even like that name resonates with me. Like there's a guy who's had a ton of success in a couple different places. So he's leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. They're playing right now. They're up a billion. How, how does this play out from a betting standpoint, the rest of the season? Is there an opportunity to bet something? Uh, what are we doing with Liverpool?
5: So I think the biggest thing right now is Liverpool is top of the league uh, and they are still not the favorite to win the league. So I think the biggest question right now in terms of the Premier League is there's a very clear top three and you kind of have to delineate between, okay, city's a little bit behind in the standings, but their power rating by any metric would be higher than Liverpool's. Can Liverpool kind of get up there to that city level? And in that case, hold them off for this title race. Because Arsenal's still in the picture, but they, they I think, clearly uh, don't have the attacking firepower, the goals to make this work. I think it's going to end up being a little bit of a two-horse race with Arsenal just behind them. So the question is, you know, do they have the firepower? And right now, I mean, they, they just put up 17-plus uh, shots on Chelsea, uh, who had had okay defensive numbers this year, and, and they did it without Trent alexander arnold without Mosala two of their best attacking players. Um, so, you know, if they can get Nunez firing this attack is, you know, the best in the Prem. And then the defense with Kanate and Van Dijk healthy is pretty good. So I think there's, there's a chance for Liverpool here to get up there. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily bet at the current number, but uh, they're not really in Europe. Like, they're in the Europa League, but I think they would prioritize a title chase. So uh, they have a chance here, and then they're also in the uh, League Cup final against Chelsea uh, next month as well. So,
2: yeah, I wonder, wonder how that one's going to go we'll do we'll do some more premier league maybe some thoughts on the uh on the champions league as well but um let's hit the other big coach news of the last week here in the world of soccer so xavi Uh, like the great Spanish international play to Barcelona announces that he's leaving at the end of the season as the manager of Barca and Barca find themselves right now third in La Liga and like a decent amount behind my Girona and and Real Madrid so not the best season for Barca right now so Xavi announces he's leaving see it seems from the outside Anthony like this is like a really unstable situation here like what are you doing anything with Barca fading them game by game like what are we doing with Xavi leaving Barcelona does that that mean anything to you as far as making bets
5: so there's two kind of countervailing forces happening with barcelona right now on the one hand like they're running really bad from a variance perspective like they're way below their numbers in attack you do not expect that to continue uh they have not scored nearly as many goals they should have like their attacking output is still very elite but we've seen this with javi and it's kind of been a thing in his teams in the past even before he came to barca in the middle east they play a very open style and it, it leaves them a little vulnerable. They don't really have, like, a true defensive midfielder right now. Uh, they're playing in open style. And last year, they got just insane goalkeeper production from Ter Stegen. This year, they haven't gotten that. And their defense has been leaking a lot more goals. And that's been their biggest issue. And I don't really think they have a solve because they don't have any money. And I think what happened was, you know, I'm totally conjecture here. I have no idea. But, you know, he probably went to the board and said, look, like, we need to spend defensively to get better here. And they have no money. They're very unstable right now financially as a club. Uh, They don't have the money to fire him uh, because they'd have to pay him out, and I think they kind of came to a mutual agreement. Like, this isn't really working right now. There's nothing tactically that Xavi has done at Barca where I've been like, whoa, you know, taken aback by his job as a manager. They're 14-1 to to win the league. Uh, The problem is that Real Madrid... From a, from a talent perspective, never seems to regress back. Like, they, they outperformed their numbers for two-plus years now in terms of finishing, and and their lead is so big that it, it is hard. But if I were to make any bet, it would be Barca at 14-1 to 1 to win the league. Uh, even still, though, I still think there's too many defensive flaws. Uh, I think they're going to con- continue to concede goals. It's been like a barely above-average defense in Spain this year.
3: So, Anthony, as, as we talked about before, we have matches going on right now. We have coach news that we, we just talked about a couple things. Also, matches tomorrow, like Alex, our producer, told us this, I think, a few days ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's like, oh, yeah, there's yeah Tuesday, Wednesday matches in the prayer. Like, what? Like, what's going on? So, we actually have matches tomorrow, uh, two of them. We have West Ham and Bournemouth and Wolverhampton and Man U. Uh, any bets on the two matches coming up tomorrow?
5: Yeah, so I took some Wolves, draw no bet. Uh, There's some interesting things happening at United right now. You got Marcus Rashford getting disciplinary problems, getting suspended internally for the Monday match. They went to Newport County. They looked pretty shaky in a win there. He's back with the team, but I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. They're also getting Casemiro back and Lissandro Martinez. And for a while, we had a discussion. It was like, well, you know, United's got all these injuries. But remember, a fully healthy United played Wolves on opening day and gave up two expected goals uh, in a match they won 1-0, but they really didn't deserve, and and they haven't really solved any of their pressing issues. Wolves have scored the most goals off of high turnovers forced in the league this year. United have scored the fewest. So I think there's an element there where Wolves, they don't press a ton, but they can kind of like pick their spots better than most teams, and that's why they've been so good in transition. Wolves also have advantage on set pieces. So, yes, the name's on the team sheet. United has more talent. Wolves' top striker is at the Asian Cup right now, Mikey Chan. But I think this uh, is—I have Wolves slightly favored. They're a slight dog. I I like Wolves.
2: You better, you better here with Nick and Ken on a Wednesday, guys. I think we, did, Anthony, just like got muted for a second. Let's see if we can fix this before the next question. Anthony Tabundo here with Nick and Ken on a Wednesday. You better, you bet. Anthony is the host of the Wonder Goal Podcast, a great soccer betting podcast. We encourage people to check out and does great writing for our friends at the Action Network. I'm um, hopefully that we're able to get this and and our uh, our end, our video producer Anthony is saying just to refresh the V mix here. I'll stall for a few seconds while you do that. So just refresh the screen. We'll welcome uh, Anthony back into uh, in the fold here in a moment. Uh, so coming up on. On Sunday, we've got Arsenal and Liverpool in the Premier League, which is interesting, right? Because Anthony told us a little earlier in back? the interview that yeah, you're, you are good, and we're going to okay. uh, ask about Arsenal and Liverpool in a second, right? Because you're saying that you think it'll be a three-team race, but Arsenal might not have the firepower to kind of hang with Liverpool and Man City. Arsenal and Liverpool play this weekend. Now, is this an instance where, in this individual game, you might like Arsenal? Uh, how are you choosing to bet this big game in the Prem coming up on Sunday?
5: Yeah, so this is a little bit different because we just saw this match. These two teams have pl- played twice now uh, in the last month. They played in the league just before Christmas. It was a one-one draw. Very cagey, very low event uh, at Anfield. Arsenal's defense did a stellar job, and that's really the the challenge for them here is can they hold off um, this Liverpool attack with their defense? I lean to the under again here. Uh, you're going to be able to get a three, I think, and I think that's entirely too low at or too high at Arsenal. Uh, I know that Liverpool's attack has been dynamite, but I don't expect Salah. I don't expect Alexander-Arnold in this match. And going up against the best defense in the league, I think it's you know at home where Arsenal have conceded less than 0.6 XG per 90. Uh, I think it's going to be a very low event match. I also don't really trust Arsenal to separate. If you go back and look, they played again in the FA Cup, but there was some rotation in that. If you go back and look at the first meeting, you know Arsenal had opportunities on the break. Liverpool's center back snuffed out everything. Uh, And completely dominated that match. And Arsenal chose to start Zinchenko at left back. It was one Trent Alexander-Arnold pass over the top, beating Zinchenko. Salah kind of rinsed him and scored. There wasn't a ton else in terms of chances. And the only other chance fell to Trent on the break. So without two of the three best creative players for Liverpool, uh, I think this total is just a little high at three. As we speak, the market is taking Liverpool money, a response to what we just watched, the Liverpool beatdown of Chelsea. But... Uh, I generally think the market's about right. I have Liverpool a smidge better. You factor in home field. Arsenal's a small favorite at home. Makes sense to me. But again, I think the total's a little high. Uh, so under three for me in that one.
3: Anthony, it's been a, a few weeks since we had you on, so we haven't we haven't done the, the song in a while. You haven't like the, we're, we gassed up the jet, or I guess you could take the train a lot of times in Europe to go play. But it's, where in the world is Anthony Debundo.
2: No, tell me.
3: Base there. Where are we? Uh, where are we going? We got like a minute left.
5: Yeah, so real quick, AFCON, if Nigeria is below minus 140 against Angola, uh, I like them on Friday afternoon. It should be a, some daytime soccer for you in AFCON quarterfinals. African Cup of Nations been an amazing tournament. In terms of the official bet, though, we'll go to Spain. We've got a huge one this weekend in uh, the, the capital of Spain in Madrid. We've got Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. This is their fourth meeting already this season. So they've played a ton this year between cups and uh, and regu- regular La Liga matchups. The total continues to be priced way too low. And any total that these two teams play below three is just too low. So at 2.75, I like the over. Uh, it's a little juiced right now to minus 120, but I'm okay with it. Uh, Real Madrid's defense, middle of the pack in La Liga in pretty much every metric. They're not a good defense. Uh, and going up against an Atleti team, when you think of Atleti, you think of Simeone and great defenses. That has not really been the case either. They're outside the top five in, uh, in the most defensive metrics, too. So should be goals in this one. I uh, like the over.
2: The next time we have Anthony on the show, we will talk about Champions League futures. Very much look forward to that. But in the interim, follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. Check out the Wonder Goal podcast and check out his written work over at the Action Network. My friend, we appreciate it. Uh, stay well, and we will talk to you very soon here. and We'll talk Champions League when we do that.
5: Sounds good, guys. Thanks.
2: Our pal Anthony DeBunto joining us here on You Better, You Bet. All right, two hours down, which means, uh, you know, do the math. Uh, Hour number three is coming up next. And in hour number three, we will hit a bunch of award markets in the NBA. Kind of what prices do we think will drop? Uh, More Super Bowl 58. And we'll talk some of the coaching news in the NFL. Mike McDonald, the new head coach of the Seahawks. All of that coming up. Hour number three. You better, you bet.